Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Once I get done with Jonah, he's going to be more than just somebody swallowed by a fish to yell. All right. Jonah 1 and verse number 3, and I also want to read verse number 6 this morning. Amen. Verse number 3 and verse number 6. It's a really important book when you think of it. Matter of fact, the book of Jonah gets a lot of criticism about whether or not it's real. All kinds of critics. Oh, how in the world can a fish swallow a man and all this stuff? And some peoples went to battle over the whole fish episode of just because there is scientifically uh, fish are big enough to swallow a man. And there have been reports of men that have been swallowed, cut, uh, cut open, and they're still alive, maybe unconscious, but inside. And so we have all this type of stuff. But, you know, there's the fish maybe takes maybe just a couple verses out of the whole chapter, and we make it all about that. The real reason why there's so much criticism against the book of Jonah is this, is because God in New Testament scripture, Jesus said, as Jonah was three days and three nights and the, the, the people were seeking for a sign, wanted him to do something. He said, here's the only sign I'm giving you. As Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so shall the son of man. So the reason why Jonah gets so much criticism is because if they didn't say it's just a fable, then what Jesus pointed to as a sign was a fable, which would somehow start to undercut his death, burial, and resurrection. And if you take away his resurrection, you are still in your sins. If you take away his resurrection, according to New Testament scripture, we don't have any justification. If you So that is part and parcel why Jonah is such a tact. Because it ties to the Lord saying that's just a sign of me being in the earth the heart of the earth and uh, notably coming out of that amen so that's a here and there verse number three Jonah chapter we have read this more than once but uh, we're just kind of yeah here we go but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish this might be a memory verse for somebody before it's all said and done they usually stand there and quote it you know from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Verse number six. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not with the help of the Holy Ghost today I'm going to speak on this subject matter wondering that's with an A not an O wandering into grace wandering into grace hallelujah God help us this morning I come to you today oh Lord God if somehow something can be conveyed Lord, to this body of people, to those that listen, Lord, right now live in those, Lord, days to come. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm thankful, Lord, for your long suffering. 
I'm thankful, Lord, for your forbearance. I'm thankful, Lord, for your patience, God, with us as mankind. I pray, oh, Lord, speak to us, God, again, Lord, from these pages of Scripture. Enlighten our eyes. God, comfort and direct, Lord Jesus, and help us. And we'll not fail to thank you for it. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. <clears throat> in, in certain ways, this Jonah that is deemed in Scripture as a prophet, is somewhat set aside from, from, I would say, most or the majority of prophets throughout God's Word. Uh, he is seemingly of a little different cut, and his response and reaction to the Word of God, of course, is different than what we see primarily in the Word of the Lord. Uh, for instance, as an example, uh, whenever you have the prophets like Elijah and Elisha and you see how they interacted with the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord coming to them, it's quite different than what we see Jonah interacting with it. Uh, we see in the Old Testament scriptures of the kings that, uh, for instance, whenever Elijah is told to go to the brook Cherith, uh, say not another word about it, Lord. You know, I'm going to go down to the brook Cherith. And then he's commanded to go to the lady of Zarephath and that the Lord would sustain him there. And he's getting his baggage and his luggage together, Mike Trout, and he's headed off the Zarephath at the word of the Lord. And he goes. He's told at different times to appear before King Ahab. And he's he's just seemingly drops whatever he's doing. And then he makes his way to the palace to go stand before the king of Ahab. And all these other prophets, it would seem like historically, in the Old Testament and God's word, it's like whenever the Lord spoke to them, they were eager and ready and almost instantaneously obedient to the word of the Lord. Sure, there were some prophets like, like Jeremiah and some like Isaiah, some that underestimated their own abilities or uh, their position of being a prophet or being called a prophet. And there were others that felt like the task that God were giving them to do was perhaps bigger than they were, you know, uh, large larger than they were, difficult if you will, but Jonah is probably one of the most different prophets that we have in Scripture because according to the record from what I can see and know of the Scripture, he's probably the only prophet we have record of that disobeyed the call of God upon his life. I mean, he wants to get away from the presence of God. This almost seems quite ironic. He's a prophet, and he wants to get away from the presence of God. He, he wants to, according to Scripture, get elsewhere. He doesn't want to remain where he heard God's voice because God spoke to him there. God told him to go and arise and to go. And so maybe in Jonah's mind, he's thinking, I got to get somewhere else where God didn't talk to me. I got to get to a location where he isn't speaking to me. I, I want to go somewhere where, where God isn't worshipped, where he isn't revered. I, I need to get away from Israel. I need to get away from the land of Israel. He knew, and we know, according to the word of the Lord, that historically it was known that, that God did favor the land of Israel, that there had been this definite tie or connection between God and what he would call his land and his people. So Jonah, the back of his mind is like, I just want to get the furthest away then from that connection that God has with the land or that God has with the people. For that matter, the Old Testament uh, history tells us that the Israelites seemingly never heard uh, the Lord's word except through an Israelite prophet. 
In other words, when God spoke to his people, those people that he counted as a treasure, he, he normally used a Israelite prophet in order to speak to them. And so Jonah may have assumed that since the Lord is the one that only revealed himself to Israel and primarily only revealed himself to them through an Israelite prophet, then I'm just going to detach myself from all of that. Now, I'll be in a safe place, a safe ground for not having to hear the voice of the Lord. God had used, according to the Old Testament, some Israelite prophets to speak to foreign nations, to foreign lands, sometimes in a positive way, sometimes in a negative way. But only once had he ever used a foreign prophet to deliver a message from the Lord to Israel in the man Balaam. And yet, even in that mode, they wanted him to curse the children of Israel, and all he could do was bless the children of Israel. For that matter, according to the record of Scripture, prior to the Babylonian captivity, prior to the Assyrians taking God's people, prior to any of the exile that God's people had ever suffered, it would have been abnormal for them to receive a message from the Lord anywhere else except when they were in the land of Israel. We read the accounts of Ezekiel and we read the accounts of Daniel. And these are two prophets that prophesied in Babylon. Well, you say, Brother McGee, they, they were prophesying in a foreign land. But remember, they were prophesying in the foreign land because God's people were at that time in the foreign land. There was a community, if you will, of believers that were captured there. And so there are prophet prophesying on foreign soil, but they're prophesying to the Israel that was in Babylon. They were prophesying. Jeremiah likewise prophesied whenever he went down into Egypt. But again, there's a community of God's people that was found there. And so he's prophesying in a foreign land to the Israel that was in the land, to the people of God that was in the land. And so it seems like then that God's prophets would get words from God in foreign lands only because there was a community of God's people that was likewise in that foreign land. And so Jonah, he didn't care for what God had said to him. He did not obey what God said to him. So he wanders away from Israel. For that matter, he wanders away from the land. He, he positions himself not among believers. He doesn't position himself a segment among God's people that's on this ship out in the water. No, he positions himself among a group of pagan sailors. Why? Because he doesn't want to chance God's word, right? He doesn't want to chance God's word getting to him. He's, he's wanting to avoid even attempting to talk to God. I, I'll leave the land. I'll avoid all the company of any believers. And just maybe I'll be able to wander far enough to escape the influences of God. Can I tell you on this Sunday morning that there are people sometimes that surround themselves with different communities of people whenever they leave and separate themselves from quote unquote the church and people leave the church because they deem the church setting much like the land of Israel. I don't want to go there because that's where God talks to me. I don't want to go there because that's where God deals with me. I don't want to go there because that's where God pulls on my heart strings and he tries to turn the direction of my feet. And the, and the places of my going. I, I know I, I'm going to leave that place just because I might hear from God there. I, I, my heart might be touched there. The feelings of my life might be changed 
there because that's where God speaks. That's, that's where he has spoken to me before. That's where God has showed up and tried to direct my steps. And right now, I just really don't want to do the God thing. Right now, I just really don't want to follow the paths and follow the steps. And so they leave the church sometimes in hopes of wandering away from God. They'll break every connection with anybody that they were ever a friend with because they don't want perhaps God speaking into their life. Amen. They just want to actively engage in all of the humanity of the world because they don't want to hear from God right now. But can I tell you this morning that if God can find a Hagar in the desert and God can find an Elijah alone in a cave and God can find a Daniel in a lion's den and three Hebrew boys in a fire, if God can find a Paul in Joppa at Simon the Tanner's house, I'm telling you this, God is able to find the Jonas that are endeavoring to wander from the presence of the Lord. Some would say amen. David said it like this in Psalms 139. He said, whether shall I go from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, he says, even there, God shows up. Jonah, you thought getting away from land, you thought getting away from Israel, you thought getting away from God's people, you thought getting on a boat and getting in the sea was going to save you, but even when you dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there God someone say man someone hear me right now Some people's try to escape God. They went, if you went to the lowest of lows, if they could, find themselves intoxicated on the dregs of sin just by chance that they could avoid the voice of God. They involved themselves in all types of antics trying to remove the voice of God. But I've come to preach on this Sunday morning. If you're hearing me right now in your living room or from days here on out sometime along the way, I want you to know that wherever you are, God knows exactly where you're at and what you've been trying to avoid he might just make happen what you're trying to run from he might make you run to my God oh yes hallelujah people leave the church they separate themselves from all types of connections of quote unquote church people they can submerge themselves in environments that don't even remotely resemble anything godly But God can still find them. And God can still speak to them. And I don't want this to be taken wrong this morning. But you can't disobey enough and sin enough to escape the grace of God. Because the sayings of as they've walked in the doors, I've done too much. I've went too far. I've sinned too much. I've, you don't know, I've done this and I've done that. You know what they're saying? I've went somewhere where he couldn't reach me. Wrong, friend. Sorry to tell you, you're boldly wrong. There's not a place you can go, a sin that you can do, a disobedience that you can act upon. That's so far, you're outside of the reaches of God's grace because the apostle said, where sin abounds, grace much more. So you heap sin to sin, but there's greater grace. My God. 
when the shipmaster came down to the lower parts of the ship in verse 6, where Jonah was sleeping, that shipmaster spoke to Jonah. I want you to realize this. He spoke to Jonah really beyond what he intellectually knew. Meaning the shipmaster spoke some things that he didn't even realize he was saying. And it's kind of like this, you know, if God ever used a donkey to speak to Balaam, and he did. God, right here in the lower parts of the ship, was using a pagan shipmaster to speak to a prophet on the run. Look at this now. This may not mean much to anybody, but look at this. For one, the two verbs that the shipmaster tried to direct Jonah's actions with are the exact same two verbs that God had directed Jonah with before he ever departed in the opposite direction from the will of God. The shipmaster tells Jonah, you see this in verse 6, the two verbs in our English is this. He says, arise and call. Some of the last words that God had spoke to Jonah prior to leaving was arise, in our English, and cry. Different, they're translated differently in the English, Brother Mason, but in the Hebrew, it's the exact same two verbs. Can you imagine? It must have been a little unsettling for Jonah to hear this because we don't have recorded in Scripture since he's been on the ship that he's had any lengthy conversation with anyone on the ship per se since he's arrived. He, he's he's kind of taken himself, sequestered himself down to the lower regions of the ship to fall asleep. Might I even say, and this is the way it is sometimes, he went down there to sleep to escape it all. Jonah's my type of man. I'm just telling you. Because if there's, my wife can attest to this, if there's bad, bad things going on in my life, I'm going to go to bed earlier. Why? Because whenever I go to sleep, I don't, I don't care what's going on. You know what I'm saying? I'm dead to the world. Yeah, Mike, you too. I just go to sleep because then I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. And so Jonah, he goes down to the bottom of the boat and he says, I'm going to get to sleep. Why? Because I don't have to worry about, about my pursuit of wandering away from God. I don't have to worry about what God said. But the moment that he's awakened by a pagan sailor, the first things out of that seller's mouth is echoing the words that God had spoke to him. Arise and cry or arise and go. His first call to action by the shipmaster is arise and go. And he's like, man, that sounds awful, awful some familiar to what the master said. I, try, I got out here trying to escape God's voice. But I feel like he's talking to me. Mm. Woo! I, get out, I got out here in the opposite direction from those two verbs of action and command. But I'm still hearing them. And now even through a pagan sailor. 
the call of action was still echoing in the mind of the Lord. Can I, can I tell you something today? God can find you that even though it would seem like typically he would only speak to Israel through an Israelite prophet and typically an Israelite prophet would only minister in a foreign land if there were God's people there. God said, I'll turn all this on its side. I'll take a pagan sailor, amen, that's awake from the land of Israel and I'll talk to my prophet. God can find us. He thought he was getting away. Submerged himself. I'm believing community. God's not going to ask a pagan to speak to his people. And just when he thought he's escaped the presence of the Lord, here's those words. Arise and call. Arise and cry. If that's not enough, the shipmaster continues to say in verse 6, basically this, this is... This is PMP, Paul McGee paraphrase. Why don't you, so he's telling him to rise and call or cry. He says, why don't you do this? If maybe your God will consider us so that we perish not. Oh, I can't tell you something. I came across this other day. The interesting thing about the Hebrew word translated perish here is that the word actually has two meanings or a double meaning. It means to perish and it means to wonder. To perish and to wonder. We, we start understanding the importance of this double meaning as we read other verses of Scripture in, in the Word of the Lord. For instance, in Deuteronomy 26 and 5, and that's not up there, Brother Mason, but in Deuteronomy 26 and 5, the revised version says this, as Assyrian ready to perish was my father. That same verse in the New International Version says, my father was a wandering Aramean. The connection is basically this, in this setting, that to wander from a road in the desert regions almost meant certain death from thirst. There was a connection between wandering and perishing. The double meaning is important because many people only concerned themselves with the finale. They only concerned themselves with the possibility of perishing. But we should give equal concern about wondering. Because wondering leads to perishing. Ask the Israelites when they came out of the land of bondage and they approached the Jordan River for the first time. And they didn't want to obey by going over. The Bible says in Numbers 32 and verse 13, and the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel and he made them what? Wonder in the wilderness for 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed or if you will, perished. Their wondering was the prelude to perishing. Someone say amen. So there's a connection here. So the shipmaster is saying, pray you do something, Jonah, if perhaps your God will have some consideration so that we won't perish. But also laced in that, and I don't believe the shipmaster understood what he was saying. He's thinking about the imminent danger of being on the water and, and, and the waves tossing and, and the storm that's there. And he's like, we don't want to perish. But when he spoke that Hebrew word, it wasn't just about perishing. Perhaps your God will consider us and help us stop wondering. 
One of it was more applicable to the shipmaster, but the other one was more applicable to Jonah. Someone say amen. Years ago, it's now been years ago, I read a book, Into the Wild. Some of you may have read it. They made, they made a movie of it about Christopher McCandless, uh, who was indeed a wanderer. He was a wanderer after college. He traveled all throughout North America. He went on different hiking paths and hiking terrains. He, he took a canoe down the Colorado River. He was caught in a flash flood with his car. It swept his car away, and he just left it on the side of the road. He was kind of a free spirit uh, type of individual, just kind of an itinerant here and there type of individual. Many times even, uh, in the book that I read, his family and his friends never even knew where he was at. Never kept in contact. They never even knew where he was at. They had no idea. He would travel here and then he would travel there. He never stayed in one place for very long of a period of time. He was a, a modern day vagabond. He would get a job for a little bit just to get enough money and a little bit of food and then he's off. Quit the job, go, you know, hike another mountain, go down another trail. That's who he was. And he always had a dream of going to Alaska and living in the Alaskan bush. And so on April of 1992, he hitchhiked from South Dakota to Alaska. And he was last seen by a guy that, that, that took him from Fairbanks, Alaska uh, to a trail. He hitchhiked and he, this guy dropped him off at what was known as the Stampede Trail that led into the bush country of Alaska and so he went significantly deep inside of the bush country and he made what was there a, an abandoned bus that was along a trail that was very heavily overgrown he made a, a, an abandoned bus there uh, his camp and his campsite but as as the seasons changed and time went on he wanted to travel all the way to the Bering Sea but he never made it he was at an impasse in reality because the Alaskan bush and the growth it, it was just too thick for him to navigate his way through and venture uh, venture into and a river that he had crossed Mike whenever he was going deep into the bush a river that he had crossed he went back to to cross back over to just get out of it but the river because the seasons had changed and the glaciers and the melting of the snow on the caps of the mountains it was too turbulent and it was swollen and he could not get over it and so he went back to the bus to make camp there only had so much food, really only had really so much knowledge for hiking in certain areas, but Alaska is a different creature altogether. And so on September the 6th of 1992, a group of hunters came up on the bus. They were hoping to utilize it for shelter, but they went inside the bus and they comment that it smelled like rotting food and they discovered McCandless's decomposing remains as a lump in a sleeping bag in the bus. They say at the time of his autopsy that his body weighed 67 pounds. Itinerant, free spirit, wanderer that led to perishing. In our text, wandering gets equal footing with perishing because one is the prelude to the other if it's uninterrupted. What are you saying? I'm saying this this morning, folks. We don't just need God to show up in the moments when we might perish. We need to Him to intervene when we're wondering. We don't need Him just to show up just as death is about ready to snatch a life and, and do a work. We don't just need Him in those moments. We need Him in the moment when we turn our feet in the direction up. We need him, Brother Malone, when we cast off from the shore of Israel and we disembrace everything that symbolizes him and we're trying to isolate ourselves as far as we can from him. We just don't need him at the 
moment of perishing. We need him at the moment of wondering. The psalmist knew this well in Psalms 119 and verse 10. David said, with my whole heart, I have sought thee. He says, oh, let me not wonder from thy commandments. David understood what he was talking about. God, it's not just in the moment of my perishing that I need you, but when I first begin to turn in the opposite direction, when I take a footstep away from you, God, that's when I need you to show up. God, that's when I need you to come down. God, that's when I need you to convict me. God, that's when I need you when I begin to wonder. Again, the ignorance of the shipmaster may have been just thinking about the waters and the waves of the moment. But God had that pagan sailor say what he said because he was talking to a prophet that had set out from his God wondering. He's talking to a man that just recently set loose from the shore with some pagan sailors headed to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. That's even what the end of verse number three says. That speaking of Jonah, that he went down into the ship to go with them, the pagan sailors, unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But look at verse four. That's what Jonah was doing. It's like, it's almost like a, you know, watching a movie or reading a book. You're seeing two scenes taking place at the same time, and you're seeing an intersection. Jonah's going down into the ship. To get away from it all. But the Lord is sending a great wind. The Lord is sending a great wind into the sea. For whom? Jonah. Jonah's trying to get away from it. But God's going after who's trying to get away. Jonah's trying to separate himself. But God's trying to bridge the gap. Jonah's saying, I've had it with you. God's saying, I'm not done with you yet. Jonah. I'm here to tell you, you may have think you went to some of the far reaches of trying to escape God, but if you feel a wind on your cheek, you better recognize that's God coming after you. That's God running after you. That's God showing up. That's God finding you. That's God discovering you. from the Lord changed everything. It ruined the voyage to Tarsus. It ruined it. I mean, just smack dab ruined it. It brought Jonah's wandering to a halt. And it proves this, that you can leave the land, you can leave the people, you can surround yourself, everything aside from God. You can run in the opposite direction from God. You can change your desires. You may not want anything to do with him, but perhaps your God, as the shipmaster will say, perhaps he'll consider you. 
I'm here to tell you this morning, many if not most of us, and perhaps some of us this morning that don't even realize it, God is giving consideration to us because he's not waiting till you're drawing your last breath. He's not waiting till the calamity is caving in all around you. No, no, no. He's showing up while you're wondering. He's showing up while you're aimlessly going hither and thither, right and left, up and down, trying to find the satisfaction that you once had in him. He's showing up and saying, you should have never left. You should have never departed. I'm coming after you. If you won't come back to me, I'm going to run after you. It's like the father that ran back out, amen, to the prodigal, embraced him and kissed him on the neck and said, come on home, son. What happened? He said, the moment I seen you, I was going to run to you. We're wandering back into grace. Someone say yes. I won't hold you much longer. I promise. I made a promise to myself last night or this morning. I was here very, very late to early this morning. I promised myself I was going to do better. There's another man in Scripture that went out from the presence of the Lord by the name of Cain. The Bible says so. Cain had killed his brother Abel. Yes, we understand that. As a result, God told him, since you've done this, Cain's a farmer, right? Because he brings the fruit of the ground at the appointed time to the Lord. Abel brought the livestock. He brought a firstling as sacrifice. But Cain, Cain is a person. He's a farmer. He's a person of the ground. God told Cain, he said, because of this deed that you have done, he said, the ground is even going to become more difficult for you to till. It's going to become more difficult for you to manage. You know, he already told Adam, the ground was cursed already from Adam, right? He said, from the sweat of your brow, he said, you're going to, you know, bring forth produce and such. And now Cain is like heightened a little bit more because of what you've done. It's going to be difficult to till the ground and for her to yield its strength unto you. And so Cain, with this knowledge and understanding that his occupation as a farmer was going to get more problematic, the Bible tells us that Cain left as a fugitive. He left as a vagabond. He went, the scripture says, to wandering the earth. And when he, quote unquote, settled, he settled, the Bible says, in the land of Nod. Which, interestingly enough, means wandering or unrest. So he may not physically be moving, but he's still not settled either. He may not physically be changing locations, but he is in a constant flux of unrest within himself. Primarily why? He's left the presence of God. Let me tell you, it, it, don't take, it don't take changing churches or going from the church to the world or all that just to denote uh, unrest or a vagabond or a fugitive type spirit. You can stay in one place and be unsettled. He was living though in the land of Nod. He was living in a constant state of wondering. A constant state of unrest. Insomuch that Cain, Cain told God. He said, God, he said, I'm a fugitive, I'm a vagabond. He tried to blame that on God. God wasn't going to take that. But nonetheless, he said, I'm a fugitive and a vagabond. And he says, now everybody that sees me, everybody that knows that I murdered my brother, everybody that understands what I did, everybody that sees me is going to want to kill me. Because I killed my brother. I want you to understand wandering into grace. Genesis 4.15, this was the Lord's response to him. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark 
I don't know what the mark was. That's the slightest idea. But he said a mark on Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. You know what he's saying? He said, if we can demark Cain, and they know the curse is upon him, and that is him because of the demarcation, maybe they'll be less likely to take his life. What is that? I'll tell you what that is. That's pre-adventure God would have consideration. That's a man unsettled and wondering that wandered into the grace of God. What are you saying? I'm saying God didn't want Cain to perish. Mm -mm. He didn't want Cain to perish in his wanderings. So he places a mark upon him and a curse upon him so that anybody that did harm to him, there would be stuff that would come into them. That was Cain wandering into the grace of God. Oh, Brother McGee, oh yeah. Because it's the heart of the shepherd that leaves the 99 and goes, finds the one lost. What? The one wandering. The one wandering lamb. It's, it's the God that considers us and that finds the Davids or the David that has a prophet sent to him and goes tells the David that's a wanderer at this time and says, thou art the man in order to do what? In order to ring David back in and his strained heart back in and his drifting steps back in. What happened, David? David wandered into the path of grace. He wandered into the path of grace. The Bible says, the psalmist says, again, I ain't gonna hold you much longer. Psalms 119 and verse 176. Here's David. He says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. He says, seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Someone hear me today. I can't but imagine this morning that there are some who wanted to wander away from God, but now secretly, in their heart of hearts they're wanting God to seek them out oh my God oh yeah it was a great idea when this all started it was a tremendous plan amen of getting away from his presence and his voice but now that you've been wondering for a while you may not admit it with your mouth you might not indicate it with your steps but deep down you're saying I hope the shepherd comes looking for me I hope the shepherd comes wandering after me I hope the shepherd is going to come and find me in our heart of hearts we're thinking seek that servant Lord seek that I went away I refused you I rejected you but seek me oh God God <laughs> they feel completely lost utterly hopeless but they're holding out <laughs> they're holding out that maybe God will consider me maybe God will consider me in my wondering Oh, can we raise our heads right up in the Holy Ghost? Oh, oh. says, God, I went astray. Lord, seek me. And notice his next verse, his next words. He says, I've not forgotten. 
He says, I've not forgotten the commandments. I've not forgotten the commandments of the Lord. And I guarantee you this. If you remember the commands and the statutes and the judgments, you're going to remember the compassion, the love, and the that somewhere in the dark billows down underneath the ship deck is a Jonah. He remembers the voice of God. He remembers how God made him feel. He remembers the compulsion of God upon his life. And while he's wanting to get away, there's a secret part of him saying, seek me, God. I've not forgot who you are. I've not forgot what I experienced. I've not forgot what I do. There's somebody. I'm healing you. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There's somebody in their heart of hearts that's saying, God, I remember your commands. I remember your statutes. I remember the benefits of the Lord. I remember the compassion of God. Seek me. God, let me wander into grace. The fact is, if you've ever abandoned him, you know, you know what you have abandoned. You know what you've wandered from. Sometimes we just can't seem to find our way. But fear not. While you're going down to the depths of the boat, God's already sending a wind. And if he can send a wind, Brother Terry, he can prepare a fish. What are you saying? He can prepare a means to get you back on the right path. Stay with me this morning. I told you, I'm good. I'm a good boy today. Stay with me. Here's the thing, folks. Shipmaster, pray that preadventure that God will consider us and we won't perish, which also means wonder. We won't wonder. Listen to me. Jonah didn't perish at sea. Jonah didn't even get all that far from the Joppa shore. But let's go a little further. Jonah's feet never touched the coast of Tarshish. Because God considered that man. Not simply in a moment of perishing. But in the moment of his wanderings. And he sought him out. And Jonah wandered himself back into the grace of God. He sought him. It snatched him. It grabbed him. It found him. It rescued him. And when Jonah thought that he was off God's radar, and when he fled from God, he ended up wandering into the grace of God. We bow our heads here today. We bow our heads here today. So, ma'am, what I'm saying today is this. It doesn't matter what efforts you have made between the last time God spoke to you until now. How far you have gone. How distant you've tried to make yourself. How, how creative you tried to be to escape him. He has a wind following you. He has a fish prepared for you. Because God, his grace, wants to intersect you in the middle of your wanderings to 
and fro here and there in the time that you've been trying to separate. God's been trying to close the gap. He's coming after you. I'm telling every lost soul. I'm telling everyone that's ever backslid on God that he's coming after you. I'm telling every drug addict, everybody that has a dysfunctional family, every individual that seems to just live their life of sin and submerge themselves in the bottom of a ship, he's coming after you. He sent a wind and he's prepared a fish. He's wanting to interrupt your wonderings. He's wanting you to wander into grace. Can we raise our hands all across this place? Brother Mason, if you can prepare something as we open this altar this morning. Hey. No, God only talks in the church. No, God only talks. There's a bunch of great holy people. No, 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 no. God will find you on the side of your bed where your pillow's wet with tears because you can't sleep and your companion's not next to you because that's went into turmoil and you're all by your lonesome in the wee hours of the morning and God will crawl in bed beside you because he's seeking you Would somebody come today? And if it's not you this morning, if you got family members, if you got friends, if you got acquaintances that's trying to separate themselves from God and to deject God and refuse God, can you come up here in their stead today? Because God's sending a wind this morning. God is sending a wind today. God is preparing a fish today. God's wanting them to wander back into grace. Yes! <laughs> Come on, sir. Come on, man, woman. Mom, dad, grandparent, whoever you may be, you may be needing to stand, stand in the stead of a grandchild or, or, or a child this morning or maybe a cousin or maybe a niece or a nephew, whatever it may be. It may be somebody that's just totally closed their ears and their ideas and mind off from the concept of God. But God's speaking. They're hearing that arise and cry. And that's the last thing God said to them. They're, they're hearing, they're hearing, they're hearing compassion they're hearing and they're feeling a win brother mason let's sing right now come on someone open their arm their heart and their spirit come on sir ma'am your feet may have left israel you may be in the middle of the sea but god is coming after you God is finding you. In your heart of heart, you're saying, I hope he does. In your heart of the heart, you're saying, I hope he can, I hope he will. I've not forgot what he did for me when I was with him. I've not forgot his touch. I've not forgot the sweet glory that would flood upon my soul. I've not forgot. Seek me, God. 
Seek me, help me to wander into your grace. I don't want to perish. Help me to wander into your grace. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.